Hello and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, isn't it, CJ? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's from indie films, studio films, everything in between. How to make them, how to get them made, and how to try not to F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. It's not that humble. I just realised because I talk about exactly what we do every time. I mean, <laughs> how amazing we are. We're not at all. We're very humble. Um, well, I think we try. I think we try. You know, we try. I, we d- I think there's a there's a very fine balance. I had this conversation with fellow filmmaker friends that listen to the pod, and I'm like, yeah. you can't be too cynical, but you've got to. You know, it's it's important to stay positive. I think you have to as a person stay positive, and it's important to be humble. But on the other hand, you can't be. Oh, everything I do is rubbish. So it's that fine balance. Yes. I don't know if we're constantly achieving it. I mean, our listeners try. can tell us. But we, we try. Our listeners, yeah. please tell us. Please tell us. Obviously, every week we talk about our films that we've made. It's kind of what it's about, right? You have to publicise your own stuff in some way. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, you know. But anyway, so it is our humble opinion. I'm sorry if you're annoyed by all our talking about what we're making. But hey, we, you know, got to get it out there somehow, I suppose. Talk about it. And, and this is really interesting because today... We're doing a fanged up special, talking about (laughs) (laughs) how we made fanged up, uh, which CJ directed, and it stars Stu Bennett, Daniel O'Reilly, and uh, Danielle Harold. Uh, It's written or co-written by Dan Palmer, who's also in it. Now we're getting all the Dans involved, except (laughs) Dan O'Reilly and Stu Bennett. We're going to get people from fanged up guesting on this week's podcast. Correct. Yeah, so we think we might try and uh, throw, throw on a few of them to, uh, like, Dan might come and do a little uh, a, a spot of interviewing too. Mm-hmm. So, Raindance, they are doing a taster day, Saturday the 18th of August, 11am, at the Raindance Film Training Centre in London, where you'll get a real taste of their world-renowned evening and weekend filmmaking courses and workshops all about directing, screenwriting and producing while gaining invaluable introductory knowledge and tips on how to break into the film industry. And there's a networking drink session at the end where you can start building your filmmaking contacts. And because you're listening to the Filmmakers Podcast, you can get all of this for free. Yes, you heard me right. It's free. Free, free, free for you, my Filmmakers Podcast listeners. Just enter the exclusive discount code TASTERPODCAST20 when booking at checkout. That's brilliant. That's amazing. It is free. Get down there and you can learn so much, I promise you. It's amazing. Taster Podcast 20. So this is actually now a two-parter. We've got Stu Bennett coming up now. And on Friday, we've got screenwriter Dan Palmer and we've got actress Danielle Harold, all talking about Banged Up. For now, this is part one, just so you know. Today, we're doing a Fanged Up special, talking about making the feature film Fanged Up with action star Stu Bennett. CJ, let's talk Fanged Up. Let's do it. Let's just jump straight in there. Um, Fanged Up, it's a vampire comedy. And Mm. we've been talking about it on the podcast for a while. We did a special with you in episode two, I believe. Yeah, it's really early on. Really early on. It's now pretty much a year later. And in fact, it's pretty much bang on a year later. And Fanged Up is coming out the 30th of July. How'd you feel? Yeah, good, buddy. All good. <laughs> um, all joking aside, you know, in this industry, you yeah. just genuinely don't know. It's all a leap of faith. Oh, it so is. So right. And even when this... I mean, I suppose uh, every time you make a feature film, you have to have that kind of blind faith, naive 
if we be, build it, they will come type attitude. Mm. You have to ignore worst case scenario at all costs. And I think that goes for any uh, career. Uh, or, you know, I, I, athletes don't ever think about coming last in the race, do they? So, no. um, so this opportunity came to me. Uh, <laughs> Maybe um, I was in a bit, I suppose, let, let's be honest here, let's be raw. Um, yeah. I was in a, in a sort of a slight funk, actually. I'd had a, my first feature freak out was a bit bit different because it's more of a... Um, well, that uh, was that was indie filmmaking. That indie, uh, to, yeah, to the core, yeah. Just making an indie film with a 60mm yeah. camera and running around and shooting it. So Freak Out was kind of a we were as surprised as anybody else to have it released. Even that's what we're aiming for. It was still one of those things mm. that I think we just kind of, you just didn't know, and you had so many no's. Anyway, Stool comes along. A yeah. uh, bit of a different beast, and it's uh, a more of an official film production, low budget, blah, 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 or micro budget, actually. It was micro um, budget, and it was, you know, it went through so many iterations of will it, won't it, what's happening, mm. what's not. And actually, yeah. you got to make it in the end, and that was. Yeah, we had, a, we had a sort of like a shoot start date, which I must admit, I was kind of like, you know, I don't think this is going to happen. And then mm. it got, you know, very close to the, the, the start date, and I was like, oh, Guess it is. I mean, we're I spending. Yeah, I producers are spending some shots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was. It was exactly like that. It's kind of funny. I had so many uh, sort of like full starts and other things. Mm. So, still comes out, does well. Cut long story short, it's a really big seller for the label. Blah blah blah. And then f- because of that, we have quite a few projects that get going, get some traction, and even get some money behind them. And they just kind of fall apart. And it's quite frustrating. Things don't always align. No, but um, and I did get one of those moments. We've talked about this before. I got one of those. You know, I had a bit of a a slight crisis moment i suppose and i um but I, at the same time i was get, getting some traction with the commercials mm. uh and i remember saying to my wife like well maybe i'll just you know f- for the minute i just need to focus on the commercials because each year i see exponential growth i do a few jobs uh i get them out there people would see them that would lead to more work more meetings more people better jobs mm-hmm. better kit but so i was always sort of seeing constant improvement whereas in the feature film side it was almost like you build up you build up you build up you get this momentum you make a movie gets good reviews it does well it's the best selling the labels ever had and suddenly it all just dissipates again so i I kind of found this revving up and dying down um frustrating it's like banging your head against a brick wall it's constantly frustrating trying to make a feature film kind of wherever you are whatever level you're at it's the same throughout it's just you just got to suck it up and say okay well that's what happens and yeah i agree i think you just i've loved doing these podcasts because we've talked to oh god over 60 people Mm. filmmakers who have all said the same thing it's not easy and everyone's had a different journey to becoming a filmmaker they've all gone through totally different ways of getting money or totally different ways of making their feature film and that's fascinating and like you say cathartic for us to listen to and sort of go i don't feel so bad it's okay it's not just me banging my head against a brick wall School winners that have times are like, oh, oh the yeah, uh, Mark Sanger. the phone's not yeah the the phone's not ringing and I'm just not doing what I'll be doing and I'm totally I'm, the editor you know. of Gravity the same thing he was going okay I'm trying to make a feature film and it's really hard for me. Um, Mark Strong was saying the same thing about his wife. You know, it's she's a well respected producer and sometimes she struggles and you kind of mm. go okay these are huge people Sam Miller the same um, directed Luther and he's also trying to make feature films at the time he's massive in TV but he said the same thing it's like it's banging your head against a brick wall it's constant frustration and rejection and it doesn't make sense how big you are how small you are it's the same thing you so, just get rejected on a bigger level yeah, <laughs> it's just a bigger fall so, um, a bigger yeah, mountain and a bigger fall it was 2005 no it was 2016 16, yeah October and I get an email from the producer saying you know 
you've been recommended to us. There's a, I think the double whammy of having stalled in the, my film for Fright Fest, yeah. Channel 4 short starring Alice Local, Night Feed, which if you go to my Twitter account, you can watch that. We'll be in the show notes as well. Knowing that I sort of ran the marathon with stalled and I could deliver a feature and then seeing Night Feed, they were like, well, we think you're our guy. Great. So there's some back and forths and, um, uh, and then one very, very quick rewrite later, I was on set shooting it. So really, really, really flying by the seat of my pants. But the all the commercials and all the short sharp shoots all the short films i've made everything i made up to that moment all informed me and helped me get fanged up made uh, i mean breakneck doesn't quite do it justice it was just ridiculous speed so mm. yeah you never know and um, and it's just an opportunity you know it's like it 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 wasn't the most perfect opportunity but it's like there was room to make it, it you know something i could really come away with something i was proud of i agree and it's getting a chance to make something people always say this actually so many people have come on the podcast have said if you get a chance to make a feature film be involved in a feature film in any way do it even if you're not sure about it at first because you will learn something you will gain uh new people that you've not met before um new producers new whatever it is and suddenly you'll be on you'll go okay and because you're working work breeds work and people will see that and go oh he's working uh, yeah okay and other stuff starts to happen it's a strange thing but uh, yeah if you get a chance to go on a friend's feature film and help out for now go do it so how was it shooting it how was it actually for you going oh god I'm, I'm actually making this now and it's vampire horror which you you, you know you can smash out the water easy but, yeah, it's kind of it's it's in it's in my wheelhouse. I when I read the script, I could see why they're offering it to me. It kind of made a lot of sense. There was a lot of stuff, I suppose, in that which we'll talk about with Dan, which uh, wasn't really what I wanted to be doing right now, I suppose. And uh, and also, I suppose to be fair, I mean, so uh, Dan O'Reilly and Nick Nevin wrote the script some time ago in an iteration that I was, you know, way before me, but a completely different producer. And um, mm-hmm. so this script had been kicking around town for some time, and it needed some updating. And actually, I think uh, certain aspects were just, yeah, just it just needed a, a, a sort of fresh, fresh perspective. Yeah. And, that, and, so, and, and you brought that and so did Dan Palmer coming on to do some, some rewrites as well. Yeah, I think had they made, you know, the, the film they made at the time, at the time they, or the, sorry, the film they'd written at the time, at that time, would have, you know, been, you know, great. But it just wasn't, I think, by the time we got round, by 2016, um, yeah, just I think an audience wouldn't have just stomached some of the some of the humour, I guess. Oh, and plus, we had to consider Dan O'Reilly's um, his sort of like I suppose his baggage, his comic baggage he came with. It's mm. like, well, considering the character you play in Dapper Laughs, do you want to be doing some of these things? So, but he was great, and he's like, no, I you know I want to do something new and different and challenge people's perceptions of me. So he was open to. Uh, a heavy change which is um, great because you need yeah. that from your lead um anyway should we get the legend that is Stu bennett on open the curtain bring him in Du-du-du, here's Stu bennett i'll tell you a little bit about Stu bennett if you don't know um he's a he's a marine biologist <laughs> <laughs> he, he did he earned a degree in marine biology from the university of liverpool check that out but he's actually a huge wwe star he has starred in the films dead man down starring colin farrell numi rapace eliminators which is starring scott atkins who is hopefully coming on the podcast soon vengeance which is ross boyask's film which is coming out in a month or so or less hopefully soon and fanged up should we bring him out should we bring out Stu bennett break the chains open the cage in he comes. All right, here's our chat with Stu Bennett. Right, joining us today to talk about making feature films, his career, and is one of the stars of Fanged Up. It's Stu Bennett. Hello, welcome to the show. 
Hey, thank you very much for having me on. Pleasure to be on the show, guys. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. CJ, this must feel kind of weird. You've got your, your star of your movie here. We're Skyping so, with him. Yeah. We're doing a podcast special about Fanged Up. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm just here to make sure Stu says nothing bad. It's just, uh, <laughs> I make no promises, Christian. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. You didn't pay me enough, so uh, you, <laughs> you didn't get that as part of the contract. Ah, well, that, that was the producer. Uh, that, go chat to the producer. Let's start. Let's start at the beginning, Stu. I mean, obviously, you're a wrestler and a very well-known wrestler. The WWE. Just tell us a little bit about how that, how that happened and how you got into acting in the first place. That'd be amazing. Yeah, so uh, professional wrestling has been a lifelong passion for me. I, I kind of grew up as a massive fan of guys like the Ultimate Warrior and the British Bulldog and guys like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I decided probably at about, uh, you know, about 15 or 16 that it's something I would love to do and, and end up becoming a wrestler. So um, when I got a little older, I started hitting the weights and working out. I found a training school in the UK that kind of taught me the basics of pro wrestling. And I started wrestling up and down the country in the UK. Um, and I was eventually spotted by WWE, who are the uh, number one players in the the professional wrestling game. They're ba- based out in America, if you're not aware of them. Yeah. Um, and they gave me a contract, took me out there, and subsequently I ended up doing pretty well for them and, and getting on their main TV show and, and kind of touring the world for uh, six or seven years with them and, and wrestling about 250 nights a year um, across the globe. Wow. And, uh, wow. Yeah, subsequently. So that, that was a, uh, a pretty successful career for me. And... I always had aspirations to do some stuff in, in movie work. And fortunately, during my time with WWE, I got a couple of opportunities to, to have some parts in some of the movies they produce. They have a, um, a, a group called WWE Studios, which makes mm. action films over there. So I got a couple of roles in, in those. I uh, really enjoyed it. And when I made the decision to move on from WWE a couple of years ago, I, I started actively looking for an agent out here and, and trying to find other film roles, which is what led me to, amongst others, Fanged Up. Amazing. Shu, what, what, what sort of motivated the uh, move from wrestling to acting? So pro- professional wrestling, when you were doing it at the level that I was doing it, is very much uh, all-encompassing in the completely takes up your time there is no downtime at all you're basically in a traveling circus and Mm. it's a lot of fun when you're a young man doing that but i was getting you know i'm getting up there in in age now for a wrestler i'm 37 now which um, whether i'm not an old man or anything like that in wrestling terms to be wrestling 250 nights a year and traveling as much as we were traveling i i kind of felt that i wanted to move into other areas when i was still young enough to kind of you know offshoot into a different um a different space so the film stuff i'd really enjoyed the the stuff i'd done with wwe um and and that was to me an obvious transition to go from the performance aspect of professional wrestling into into more acting stuff so it totally makes sense yeah. i always liked i always liked that you were quite uh open because i suppose you came up in a time where wrestling was uh more um i suppose honest with its the fact that it's it's sort of theater and it's 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 fighting it's theater and when, whenever you're on set, I think you'd always joke about, you know, well, that's what I am. I'm a, I'm a professional fake fighter. Also, it's quite funny. And the fact that you're very transparent about that. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think if you go back 20 or 30 years, one of the things that audiences often found insulting about professional wrestling is that we were genuinely trying to hoodwink everyone that this was some sort of, <laughs> you know, legitimate boxing style fight or something like that. It's not. It's entertainment. Um, the results are predetermined when i go into a match with someone i know i'm winning or the other guy's winning 
Um, The beauty of professional wrestling to me is the artistry that's involved in telling that story and telling the drama. Um, You know, and the the athleticism that you're seeing is real. You you see some incredible feats of athleticism. You get genuine injuries. You know, people think that because the result is predetermined, we're not actually hitting each other. We are hitting each other. I've, I've suffered, you know, a huge number of major injuries from professional wrestling. So in terms of it being a, an art form, um, the, the real area that I respect about it is that ability to take, take an audience on a journey, um, and bring out emotions in them, be it anger or sadness, happiness, elation, and get people absorbed in the drama that we're showing them in the ring, which is kind of similar in a way to the kind of things you do in the movie world where, you know, the, the movies we're showing, they're fake too. It's not a real it's true. Event. Yeah. It's not, it's not a documentary that we're showing. So, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely true. Uh, so, which is a great segue really into the acting world. Um, I, I totally agree. It's a very similar thing. You, you're sort of faking your emotions sometimes, though you try and do it as real as possible, which is the same as wrestling. You fake it as best as you can until it's real. Uh, or it looks real to everyone else. And so, so Dead Man Down happened, which is, a, I mean, what a huge movie to start with for you with Colin Farrell, Numi Rapace, Terrence Howard and Dominic Cooper, right? You know, and that's, that was your first feature film. Yeah, that's it. I got very lucky to get a part in that one. I had a pretty small role um, to play in that. I played Terrence Howard's bodyguard in that, essentially. Mm. Um, and there was a bit of, you know, shooting, a little bit of dialogue and stuff. But the great thing from my perspective was that it was a two-month shoot, and I was pretty much on set every single day, even though my role was pretty small, mm-hmm. um, because I was kind of very much needed as a background character surrounding Terrence Howard everywhere he went. So I got to see firsthand... Kind of a, a pretty large production. Um, it had, a, a I think, about a $35 million budget, which is uh, pretty significant. It's pretty and, significant, um, yes. Um, so to, to be around actors of that caliber and, and see exactly how films of this size are put together and, you know, get to, to learn different camera techniques. Like, for example, when I first went on set, I had no idea that when they film a scene, um, they don't have, you know, three or four cameras filming the scene at the same time so they can take the different angles. I didn't realize that when you film the scene once and you do three or four, five takes, well, however many you need, you then shift all the lights around and all the sound around and all the um, the cameras go to the opposite side and film it from that angle. Then you film it from a third angle and then a fourth angle and you end up doing the scene 20 or 30 times. Like mm-hmm. I had no idea, for example, that that is how filmmaking works. So that's just one example of the the kind of things I was you know picking up and learning and uh, watching guys like Colin Farrell and, and seeing how he would prepare for an intense scene and, and how he'd get himself in the zone and, and stuff like that. It was just a, a real crash course education with with some of the the kind of top level guys in the industry, I suppose. That's wonderful. It must have been that moment when you suddenly went, "Cool, well we've done it now on take three or whatever." Cool, thanks. I'm, I'll be in my truck. Bye. I'm, no, no. I'm, I'm yeah. off. Yeah. I'm off. <laughs> like, no, no, we, we've got to turn around yet, Stu. You've got at least another. Did you? Did you also? What the fuck? Did, I'm telling. No. no. Exactly. Did you also go into it like full on, like fighting? Start so you were knackered after take three. Going, oh my god, I've got to do four more of these. Just there kind the of was side. a bit of that. I mean, you think you got to remember professional wrestling is, um, you know. Pretty much everything we do is live, either for uh, an audience of, you know, a giant stadium with 20,000 people in 
or with you know go, it going li- out live on TV. We don't do second takes in wrestling, so yes. um, you basically yeah. even if something goes horribly wrong, you've just got to kind of improv and work with it and, and figure a way around. Because you can't say, "Oh, hang on, I did that wrong. Let me let me reshoot." Because this is going out live, or yeah. there's twenty thousand people in the the arena who are screaming at you. So you know that's that to me was something to get used to, and it's almost like as wrestlers we feed off that live live adrenaline where you know mm. you can't you cannot afford to mess anything up or if you do mess it up make sure you figure out how to still make it work um so it's definitely in terms of adrenaline for me on on film sets that it took a lot of getting used to because it's a much slower pace and you kind of have that safety net of no matter what happens here we can always reshoot it which um it definitely took a bit of getting used to for me yeah, yeah. i bet i bet um and uh, moving on quick because we want to get to fanged up but i want to talk about your other films as well eliminators uh which is obviously starring uh scott adkins who will hopefully soon be on the podcast as well in the next uh month or so and that was directed by james nunn uh, and that must have been nice because it was well, you got to, to do quite a lot of action stunts, but it was a bigger role again. And working with someone like Scott must have been fantastic. Yeah, exactly. So that was, again, another one for WWE Studios. So I think people were pretty happy with what I'd done in Dead Man Down for my small amount of involvement that I actually had in that film. Um, the powers that be in WWE Studios were pretty happy with my performance and kind of the feedback on what I'd done. So they then um, gave me a, a much bigger part, which was in Eliminators, where I played the lead villain. Scott is the, um, the lead good guy. I'm the, I'm the lead villain in it, and we kind of do battle and have fights and car chases and shootouts and that kind of thing. But um, So that was massive for me, really, to to step up to that level of role with a lot more dialogue, a lot more focus on me, and they're building me up as this evil kind of Terminator-like machine who's chasing down the, the good guy and, and trying to assassinate him. So... Um, yeah, that was a massive step up for me in, in pressure and everything, but it was one that I loved every second of it, and getting to work with Scott was great too. He's um, obviously speaks for himself how how great he is in that kind of genre and, and how cool it was putting together fight scenes with him and, and working with him. So um, yeah, a lot of fun to do that. Yeah, that transition, be. that transition street from like uh, so from your you know from, from whereby it was I suppose thirty uh, percent performance maybe, but then you know seventy percent physical. Now you're getting to an arena where it's all performance and you've got a camera very close to you. Did you do anything extra to accommodate that? Or were, you, were you conscious of the fact that suddenly there's a camera on you close up? And Any extra training, anything, anything else you did when you transitioned from, from wrestling into features? Yeah, well, I worked with an acting coach um, before I did that particular role, the Eliminators one, because I knew it was going to be a lot more intense and I needed to get yeah. certain nuances of the character out more than I would in a professional wrestling type role. So one of the big, one of the biggest difference in terms of the character performance that you have in professional wrestling versus the character performance you would have in a movie set mm. is that they always tell you that if you're in a professional wrestling ring, for example, you are performing to the guy in the very back row. And if, right. you, if you've ever seen any WWE shows, the back row is a long way back. They, they play in these giant arenas, sometimes even in like NFL stadiums once a year for the, for the biggest show of the year, WrestleMania. So if you're performing for the guy at the very back, everything you have, everything you do is very big. Every reaction, every facial is massive because if the guy in row Z has to see it, then mm. you know, you, you've got to make it huge for him to be able to see it from that far away. Whereas on a movie set, the, the camera is right in your face. So one of the problems previous professional wrestlers have had when they've come to transition to um, the, um, the, the kind of movie and, and TV type roles is that, 
their reactions are just too big and it kind of comes across as corny. So I had to tone down a lot of my reactions and a lot of my facial expressions and stuff in order for it to work in a film environment versus what yeah. I would have done in a wrestling environment. Um, and then you moved on to your first lead role in Ross Boyack's um, brilliant action film, Vengeance. Now, Ross and John Adams were actually on the podcast on episode 16 talking about Vengeance and Orcs, uh, John's film, and it's a fantastic podcast. So do listen to that, and we talk about Stu in that. Um, but how was... They badmouth you, Stu. They, they're pretty... <laughs> you want to kick Pretty, asses, pretty gruesome. They badmouth so, me to my face as yeah, well. So that's fine, fine, fine. Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, that was lead role. You're playing John Gold. Um and how was that then transitioning? Now you're playing a lead role in the feature film. How yeah, so that? that was that was my, kind of my first major gig after I left WWE. So I left WWE in kind of mid 2016. I think two or three months later, I was in London shooting with Evolutionary Films doing Vengeance. So um, that was massive for me. One of the interesting things for me in terms of my wrestling career is that i've always been the bad guy i i wrestled for about 12 or 13 years and no matter where i was i was always the bad guy and um i loved playing the bad guy um i loved getting reactions from people i never wanted to be cheered i never wanted to be the guy who slaps hands and it's actually mm. quite a rarity for in this day and age anyway for a guy to have a 13 year wrestling career and always be the bad guy it's you know people right. to go back and forth and keep it fresh and stuff like That's that but true, yeah. um vince mcmahon who runs wwe always wanted me as the bad guy and, and i was pretty much always happy with that too so um yeah always the bad guy in wrestling and then even in the first two films i did which were um dead man down and uh eliminators again i always played the bad guy bad guy bad guy and mm-hmm. it's that's just what i do so to then put myself in the position of vengeance where I'm now playing the good guy, the lead good guy. It was definitely a, a big transition for me mentally to get into the kind of um, frame of mind to be the, the hero almost in this film. So um, that, was, that was unique. Um, but it was, it was a lot of fun to work with those guys. Ross is incredible. Um, yeah, he's, a, yeah. he's a great writer, great director too. And this was a big step up for him too to, to get his first kind of full feature. Um, so... Yeah, I love working with them. It was a lot of fun, and um, that's coming out imminently, I believe, in about a month. Um, yeah. I think it's actually going to get released for everyone. I've, I've seen the the final edit and stuff, and I'm very happy with it. I think it's going to go do, do good. very well. It is. The trailer um, should be yeah. dropping soon. But yeah, no, that's yeah, good, good. I'm glad you had a good time, and great to get that lead role. Um, I also starred Anna Schaefer, Gary Daniels, Kevin Leslie, Orion Lee, James Fisher, and Keith Allen. So it's a nice cast to be surrounded by as well, which is always pleasant, isn't it? When you're working on something that is a little less budget, certainly much less than Dead Man Down. Um, and, you know, you've, you've just got to get on with it and get stuck in. That's it. I mean, you need a, a real tight crew of people. We were constantly under the... Um, the time pressure to make sure we got every shot we needed each day. Because um, as much as I said earlier with Dead Man Down, you can reshoot as many times as you want because it's got such a massive budget. Yeah. We kind of had the additional pressure of, okay, we can't shoot this as many times as we want on um, on Vengeance because we have these time constraints that, you know, tomorrow we've got another six scenes we have to get. And if we don't get them, we will never get them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there is there is an additional time pressure when you're working with the lower budget films i suppose yes but that must be more fun for you in a way because you're not doing 40 takes you're literally doing right we've got three of the whole section here so therefore you can i don't know it's less hanging around it's it's more go 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 
which is yeah i i love that i love it when things go wrong on the shoot and uh, (laughs) you know in the middle of the scene just try and run with it and work with it and that's i suppose one of the benefits of my background versus a kind of someone from a more formal acting background i think um the the improvisation skills that i've probably built up over years definitely hold me in good stead in that kind of environment so yeah i love that you should, you have like little to no. Well, actually, you have no discernible nerves at all. So it's great. You're for me. No matter what shit's hitting the fan, you just sort of, I just sort of look at you and go, "All good." You're like, "Yep, good," and that's it. You know, it was it was just brilliant because uh, you know, whereas a lot of people could probably read my face, but like, oh, this this. Uh, Something's going wrong here. And I'd look at Stu and think, like, I haven't really given Stu much. I don't, or sometimes I felt like I hadn't given you much in terms of uh, directing. But I'd look at you and you go, Stu, you happy? Yep, happy. And then off you went. It was just yeah, I, did. I think when you've had to stand in your underpants in the middle of a wrestling ring <laughs> in front of a, uh, a live viewership of millions while a seven-foot-tall, 500-pound man is about to beat you to death with his bare hands. I think uh, it puts everything in life in perspective. So yeah, uh, maybe I, I don't feel nerves like a lot of people would in, in certain situations like that now. That's when times funny. got tough, I just pictured you in your pants. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That got me through. It's just when you're on your own. This is totally separate. Yeah. Oh, so should we, should we jump into Fang? Let's, should we, this is a perfect should we dive in? Dive straight in. Fanged up. I mean, it's, it's great that you've got two films coming out very similar time, Vengeance in a month or so. Fanged up is out pretty much now now when this is going out so um that's amazing yeah so how did you hear about the role in the first place how did it come to you uh well my agent is a guy called alex segal he mm. works for a uh a company in london called uh intertalent group and i guess terry stone who's the the producer of the movie he got in touch with alex asking if he knew any big guys who could do a russian accent and uh alex naturally told terry yeah i've got the perfect guy for you alex then calls me up hey Stu, i've got this great role um i think you'd be awesome for it they want you to take for it i was like, oh cool cool what is it he told me about it and he said oh yeah by the way you need to do a russian accent <laughs> so i was like okay that's a problem because i i don't do a russian accent he goes, oh just just give it a go i've already kind of told terry you'd be great at this and, and this that and the other so okay how long have i got to prepare for it and he says well, he'd like something over in the next hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. So uh, I then obviously get the uh, the iPad or the uh, the iPhone out and kind of start running through a few Russian accents of, um, or my attempts at a Russian accent. Now, fortunately for me, through professional wrestling, you end up meeting people from all around the world. And um, one of the cool things about pro wrestling is they kind of need okay, we need one token English guy, which was me for a number of years, and we need one token Japanese guy, we need one South African guy, one Australia, and we need one Russian guy too. And it just so happens that I've been very good friends with a couple of the Russian guys that they've had over the years in WWE and from sitting in cars with them and chatting with them in the locker room and stuff. um, I suppose I kind of have absorbed part of their mannerisms and their accents and stuff like that. There was a a guy called Vladimir Kozlov, who was a uh, a wrestler for a long time in WWE, and I was pretty close with him. And so I kind of just tried to rip him off when I did the self-tapes to send over to Terry. And Mm -hmm. um, I guess they liked what they saw. And um, pretty soon after that, uh, Alex was working on contracts to, to head over to Portsmouth and start shooting. And I think I had about two or three weeks of notice from getting the role to actually being out there and filming. So I then had a little time to kind of keep working on the accent, um, watching a few videos on, on YouTube and stuff like that. And then finding some people speaking in Russian accents and picking up certain things from them. And 
you know, really, really just kind of repetition, repetition, repetition of, of, of getting what I felt was a, an acceptable accent for the role. Amazing. Amazing. So, so right. Obviously now you, you've not met Christian yet. You've not met CJ at this point. Did you guys first meet when you were on set? Oh, wait, no, no, we, we, we yeah. actually, we actually had a bit of a Skype session first. Oh, okay, so good. I think, um, Terry had seen the tape. He liked it. And then mm. I think Terry had spoken to, um, Christian and we had a little Skype session. I was living in Tampa, Florida at the time. And I remember sitting there having a chat with Christian and we clicked straight away, which was good. And, um, I knew he was going to be very easy to work with and, and get along with. And, uh, from that point on, I think, um, Alex then sorted out the contracts for it and, uh, it was smooth sailing from there. Amazing. Amazing. For those that don't know, uh, the film is about a young rogue. He's thrown into prison for the weekend, unaware that the guards are blood-sucking vampires, and the inmates are their victims. Um, how is it then to sort of go, you're now doing a broad comedy? So you're going, obviously you've done quite a lot of that, that in wrestling anyway, but this is now strong acting with comedy with well, comedy actually, stars hello, can I, if i could jump in there Please, chaps, yeah. yeah because it, i was so adamant that this role this, this person can't be a comedy performer but what was mm. great in seeing what stu double when when terry suggested stu would be worth looking at and uh a very quick youtube search gives you uh, a lot of stu's work and it's like oh he'd be perfect because he understands comedy but can play it as the straight man as it were because your lead is a stand-up comic so, mm-hmm. uh, and for really any of the jokes to work, it's, they've got to bounce off Stu. So it was imperative. There's nothing worse than when you're in a comedy and people start acting like they're in a comedy. So, so Stu's role, the role of Victor, was the one that almost had to be cast. You know, everything else would bounce off of that. So, um, yeah, I suppose for maybe Stu, you'd be better answering this than me, but um, it kind of, it's the funniest role, yet you have to play it incredibly straight would that be right yeah i'd agree with that i mean i i could tell obviously reading the script how straight this character had to be and he's supposed to be the big scary guy but underneath all these layers of um of brutality that he has about him there's a heart of gold in there but um but you're right i mean with a guy like dan who's playing the lead um he's so funny that you can't i i couldn't even dream of competing with him in the comedy realm because that's his genre that's what he does so mm. for me to be able to play the straight guy in that is is way better for me it's um it's something that came a lot more naturally to me than trying to be slapstick um so yeah i i think i think it was very natural to to play it like that you guys you guys had a you seem to get on like well testament to your acting maybe but you seem to get on very well and what was uh what was fantastic was it was just you guys, you, you and Dan. The first day of shooting was a couple of the cell scenes where the two meet for the first time. It doesn't always work like that in low-budget filmmaking. You just, you know, you shoot what you shoot and that's it. But I actually managed to get the first day or two where the characters meet in the film were genuinely the, the, the scenes where, where Dan and Stuart were learning, you know, were working together for the first time. So literally as they are becoming friends, you've got this rapport building on screen. And it worked well in so many ways because Dan was genuinely scared of Stu and kind of wanted to impress him and but also because you're in a prison environment it's a lot of the extras would say this you know they come in a buddy of mine came down to play uh, you know one of the uh, inmates and he's like uh, 
he parked, you know, parked, parked up outside and walked in and got his costume. Was like handed his costume. I don't think they deloused him, but I'm, maybe they did. <laughs> but um, he said, then we went. You have like a giant green room. And he said, literally, what he, what he did was he walked in there, felt so intimidated. He just walked up to the or sat next to the biggest person he could find in a kind of like you'll protect me kind of way. So um, <laughs> that was kind of what it was like. For, I think that prison because you're in a prison. It I think it just it bleeds in, and uh, that relationship that you see on screen is kind of the one that Dan and Stu had. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. He, um, the, you, you're absolutely right about that first scene. It was definitely because I didn't know Dan at all then. I think we'd met the night before very briefly and had a beer together. But there was still a lot of, like when you meet anyone for the first time, there's a, a you know awkwardness about it. And, you know, what's this guy really about? And, you know, you haven't actually met him. You've met the representative of himself that he's trying to show to you and, and stuff like that. So you don't really know anything about him at that point. And that, I think that that little touch of awkwardness when you first meet someone played in perfectly to that scene, because I wasn't used to his kind of humor at that point. He didn't know that I wasn't some, you know, lunatic who was going to go crazy and start punching people at some point. So there was that, that element of that, not like that almost lack of trust at that point that I think lends itself very well to that initial scene that we filmed. And that subsequently is probably my favorite film, favorite scene in the entire movie. I love the, the first intro between the two of us in the prison cell. I think it's hilarious, awkward, intimidating, and, and Dan is just so funny in it. So, um, yeah, that's probably, if I had to pick any scene in the film, that's my favourite, when the two characters first meet. And how, how is it working generally on, on this thing? What are, you, what are your memories from your, your time no, shooting this? No pressure history. It's not like you <laughs> No, 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 Jenny, you can act, I, I would be fascinated to know what you were expecting versus what yes. you got and how the whole thing unfolded for you. Yeah, well, it was funny because um, I really didn't have too many expectations going into it. I kind of came in with an open mind because in terms of the role itself, I'd never done anything like this before. Mm. Playing a First of all, playing a guy with an accent was was kind of brand new to me. And playing a Russian and playing in a, a horror and a comedy, all this stuff I'd never done before. And I wasn't even particularly familiar with Dan. I know Dan is a pretty big name in the UK, but I've been out in the US for the last 12 or 13 years and mm. he hasn't really crossed over over there. I don't know if he's kind of humor works in the US or not, but um, certainly he's a huge name out here. Um, so really, I come in with a completely open mind, didn't know what to expect. Um, but I remember the, I suppose the camaraderie of, of all the crew and the cast was really strong from from very early in the shoot. And it was cool meeting these all these guys we had set up as prisoners. I guess Dan was friends with a lot of them from the the kind of comedy world he works in. And just, it seemed like there was every day 30 or 40 people on set who were in you know either background acting roles or, or lead kind of roles and it seemed that everyone just clicked straight away and there was great banter and and stuff uh between everyone and that lends itself well again to the kind of prison atmosphere where you've got all these prisoners and if you've ever seen documentaries about inside prison life there's always this kind of this this kind of riotous behavior between them all that's kind of simmering there the whole time and that's almost how it felt on set that you know these these guys are you know the director and the the first ad are desperately trying to control this horde of <laughs> lunatics um, <laughs> that could boil over at any time and that really i think comes over comes over in some of the um the scenes especially there's a there's a scene in the prison canteen where um it kind of turns into a bit of a riot at one point and i i felt that 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 um, energy was there the entire time we were shooting. Amazing. 
Amazing. And then working from those guys, all the comedy guys, Dan O'Reilly and um, Dan Palmer and Vass Blackwood. And then you have Stephen Burkoff in the middle of this, who is this, you know, is very well respected and very well known for, you know, it being the straight, strong, silent actor type. How is it going from that? And then suddenly there's, you're working with Stephen Burkoff. Yeah, well, I didn't actually have any scenes with Stephen. Um, so we really only met and kind of have a quick handshake and a hello. I think the days he was shooting, I was off and uh, and vice versa. So there's no direct uh, meeting between our two characters on set or anything like that. But he's, he's a great name to add to it. And I think a lot of people um, were probably pretty surprised when they saw his name attached to it. I mean, you look at the kind of movie it is, and, you mm. know, it's a ridiculous film. Let's face it. It's, it's vampires <laughs> in a prison. There's a, Russian, a Soviet guy and a guy making jokes about sausages. It's a ridiculous <laughs> film. But to add a name like Stephen Burkov in there makes you think, well, this is this is pretty interesting. Let me let me check out how, how they've portrayed him in that. And his character is is incredible in there, too. Obviously, I've seen the... The, the final version of it, um, but his, you know, he plays it great and it fits in perfectly. And it's almost surreal seeing a guy like that playing the kind of character he's playing. And uh, yeah, I think it's a great addition. So I don't know how, uh, how it went down that he ended up getting that role, but I thought it was, it was kind of cast perfectly there. Super, super. Money, money, just, just, just but, you know, suitcase full of money. Totally, yeah, no, 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 I, I, I don't know. I, I fully have <laughs> the same as you. I, he, his name came up and, and uh, there's there's a few uh, being bandied around, and uh, uh, and and Steve's name came up. I was like, yeah, great. I mean, I think you know, I, you know, he, he's a he's a he's a thespian. You know, he he does uh, slow mo Shakespeare plays. So uh, <laughs> is he is he going to uh, is he going to you know respond to this? But um, he did. So uh, yeah, and, and we're not a you know we we're we're a moderately budgeted film, but you know, it's uh it's not it's not, you know, giant paychecks for sure. So um but no, for whatever reason Stephen decided that it was uh something he wanted to get involved in. And uh, we know you've got to go. So uh, CJ, unless you've got a final question I'll um I, I might have No and uh, no, should we talk about what Stu's got coming up? That's uh Stu, have you got have you got a couple of minutes to talk about what's next? Sure, absolutely. So um I've got obviously the the things we've talked about, Vengeance and, and Fanged Up uh, coming out very soon in the next kind of month or two. Um, so Fanged Up's on the 30th of July, and what, when's Vengeance, do you know? Uh, you, you put me on the spot yeah, here. I should know this off the top of my head. <laughs> but I, I believe it's sometime kind of mid-August. Um, sure. If you follow my Twitter and the Vengeance Twitter, all the information will will be on yeah. there as, as and when um, it's, it's coming out. Um, but on top of that, I've got a show coming out on the 28th of July on ITV1. Um, so 5 p.m. It's Saturday, 28th of July at 5 p.m. There's a new wrestling show called WOS Wrestling, which is stands for World of Sport Wrestling, which if you're a wrestling fan of British wrestling back in the day in the, the kind of 70s and 80s, it was huge with guys like Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks and people like that. Yeah. Well, we're bringing that back. It's going to be on primetime ITV1. Um, with a whole new generation of British wrestlers. It's something we shot a couple of months ago. I'm really proud of it, and I'm I'm involved in that too. I'm one of the commentators, and I play the executive from WOS who kind of makes the matches and runs the show and stuff. So Brilliant. if professional wrestling interests you at all, definitely tune in and, and check that out. And then I've also got another show coming out on Netflix in September uh, called Ultimate Beastmaster, which is kind of like the Netflix version of American Ninja Warrior, which I yeah. think has been a pretty big hit over here. Um, so it's kind of this like obstacle course style athleticism race, um, which I'm again hosting that and, and doing some commentary and things like that. So, so there's no there's no end to your talents. You're now presenting as well. 
Hey, I'm a. Uh, um, I don't know. It's uh, if you're the master of none. I think is the, uh, <laughs> the 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 key phrase. But yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting leaving the world of professional wrestling, and there's no obvious next step. So you kind of have to see what's out there, what comes in, what my agent can grab for me, and things that excite me. I I tend to do so. Doing a bit of TV hosting, doing some acting too, and uh, I believe I'm going to be doing another feature film in. London in kind of mid-September. We haven't got the contract signed for that yet, but it's looking pretty positive. We're going to be on like a four-week shoot in London from mid-September to mid-October doing another action movie. So um, hopefully that all gets set up and and that will be the next thing I bounce to. Fingers crossed, buddy. I look forward to it. Uh, And I'll probably see you something fanged up related soon as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I kind of travel back and forth to the UK quite a lot. I'm in the UK currently doing some promotion for that WOS wrestling show and uh, then I'm off on holiday to france and greece for a couple of weeks and then i think i'm back again after that so i'm i'm constantly back and forth so hopefully we'll cross paths face to face um fairly soon i'll give you a good manly handshake teach you how to do it Stu. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Stu, this has been fantastic thank you for your time um and uh yeah everyone look forward to watching fanged up there we go thank you very like much that. for having me on guys i appreciate it Pleasure. cheers buddy cheers mate take care guys bye 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 so fanged up will be out in literally a week's time yeah it is 30th of July. So exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting some, uh, some feedback and seeing it go on and, and uh, have a life of its own. It's been uh, in our collective heads for so long. It's nice to, to sort of send it off. Yeah, and it is. And I think it's nice for our listeners to actually see the film that you, we've been talking about for so long as well. I yeah. think that's really cool. Yeah. It proves nice. that we're, we're not just bullshitters. We do make films too. No, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we bullshit very well, but we do very well, make... very well, and we're very humble about bullshitting. About it very well. <laughs> absolutely. <I'm... laughs> so, so um, where can people follow you, CJ? So you can follow me at C James Direct on uh, Twitter. I believe that probably goes to Instagram, but you know, on Insta because that's just my pictures of me and the kid and the wife just yeah. at the beach, looking great and surfing and stuff. That's and if you're it. not following by now, that's ridiculous. Why not? Fanged up, fanged up, that and also uh, fanged up at fanged up film on twitter so that's that'll tell you because it's available there's loads of q a screenings and you can request it also in your local um might be odian there's lots of things and ways to see it so if you go onto fanged up film it'll give you links as to where you can request um to show fanged up in your town or city and i believe in certain places if you get enough people together they'll put on a screening as well so links will be in the show notes dvd amazon everywhere on the 30th and then it will be i would imagine i believe it's your netflix or amazon primes and whatnot uh, a short while thereafter but it has got an exclusive window on on physical format for a, a fair few weeks or months first this was our Fanged Up special. Uh, you can follow us at Filmmakers Pod. You can follow me at Giles Alderson. Remember, get your screenings and fundraisers, etc., into the Indie Film shout-outs at me, at Filmmakers Pod, or at Giles Alderson. Um, thank you very much, Stu Bennett, for joining us. Absolute pleasure. And thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. We promise you. And remember, if you want to go to the Raindance course, click the link in the show notes. Um, being prepared is everything. You can make your indie film, but know who your audience is and get out there and do it. Hashtag make your film. Remember, though, if you're lucky enough to do well and rise up, it's your duty to send that elevator back down. If you enjoyed listening to this, please share, like, subscribe to us on iTunes. New shows out on Tuesday, as always. So we will see you, CJ, when? Um, that's a good question. Uh, we've got, uh, when will you see me again? Um, no, I think you have to just say next Tuesday. So, <laughs> so we Charles, will see- <laughs> I'll see you next Tuesday. Yeah. Until then, stay well, work hard and try to take another step forward to making your indie film.
Take care. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. This was a podcast from the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com.